And now, beautiful people going fast on fire. Welcome to the True Fiction Podcast, Kino Club Edition. Welcome to True Fiction's Kino Club Edition. What is Kino Club? A group of film lovers get together and watch a film. Then we meet after and break down what we saw. This is a warts and all recording where we share the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there will be spoilers, so be warned. This meeting, we review the 2022 DC comic movie, The Batman. Rotten Tomatoes critics consensus calls it a grim, gritty, and gripping super noir. The Batman ranks among the Dark Knight's bleakest and most thrilling, ambitious live-action outings. Without further ado, Kino Club discuss 2022's The Batman. The Batman. What did we think of that movie? I I liked the movie. Overall, I would say I'd give it a thumbs up. There were parts of it I liked a lot, and there was parts of it that I was not crazy about. But I think all in all, it it did take a, a it wasn't a stale rehash. There was some some originality into it. And so for that reason, I give it a thumbs up. I really enjoyed it, and I felt like it was very entertaining when I was sitting in the theater. I, I really liked a lot of it, but the more I thought about it, the more I started to dislike it. And I wouldn't say I dislike it, but I, I don't like it as much as I enjoyed the promise of the trailer and the, the feeling that I had while I was in the theater kind of watching it. But the more I started thinking about it and things started to kind of settle in, the more I was like, you know, this wasn't really the Batman I was hoping for. And I think some of the, the problems that I had with it, I'm tired of a darker, grittier Gotham, you know, and it's like, we're going to get to a point where it's just, this was almost like, and spoilers, you know, spoilers, everyone, but this was kind of like seven meets Batman in a way, you know. Oh, you stole my line. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I, I thought I would really enjoy that. I enjoy some aspects of that within like the, the film technique and kind of the darkness of it and stuff. But for a Batman movie, it just, it, I don't think it came off right. It felt awkward to me. I think the parts of the story that were dark went too dark in some ways where it just didn't, it just felt uncomfortable instead of like a, you know, it seemed like it was pulled from like a serial killer movie or, you know, some sort of, <clears throat> you know, attacker movie or something like that, where somebody's deranged, which I usually I like movies like that. But I, <laughs> I realized that I didn't enjoy seeing that in Batman. And I've talked to some other people about this. And the only logical next step, I feel like we just keep going like so when the Christopher Nolan Batman came out, that was like, this is a real world gritty Batman. Now we're hyper gritty and we're beyond the real world. Everything's a uh, you know, dystopia, but I feel like the only logical palate cleanser other than trying to go just completely surreal with it. And I, I think the surrealness won't work because they tried to do that within suicide squad or I haven't seen it, but the, uh, uh, Harley Quinn, which didn't really work, but to the only way they could go further dark is to make a Batman horror film. So something like, you know, and, and I know that that was, a you know, a uh, comic that was out was the uh, Batman versus Alien or Batman versus Alien versus Predators. Something like that could almost work, I feel like, to to kind of get it back on track. Aside from those things, I felt like there were a couple parts that were kind of hokey that 
took me out of my belief within the movie, specifically when he grabs the uh, oh, spoilers. high voltage. Spoilers, spoilers. spoilers. Yeah. No, no spoilers. No spoilers right now. Did you not just hear me explain that to Corey? Oh. No, I'm sorry. I, I said spoilers okay, okay. earlier. So. Well, I heard you say that, but you didn't really get well, the spoiler. Well, I don't think... Hopefully, people aren't listening to the first half, and they go, I'll save this, and coming back. He's, uh, he's still off the high off the concert. Yeah. Yeah. Marshall well, went to see Corn last night. Corn and Chevelle, and it was kick-ass. So he probably can't time. even hear what I'm saying right now, because it's louder <laughs> but well in that case no spoilers but the uh there were definitely some parts that that took me out of the film that i just didn't believe and i felt like some of the dialogue was kind of hokey but but the things that i did like i liked some of the imagery i liked a lot of the imagery i liked the actor who per- portrayed penguin one thing that i liked <laughs> but i i didn't care for was the guy who plays uh carmen falcone john Turturro. John right? Turturro. Yeah, John Turturro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked it, but I, but I, at the same time, I didn't feel like he was the correct choice for Falcone. But uh, yeah, so. <laughs> well, I'm going to go now. I'm going to go now because I don't want Corey to steal everything that I was thinking. Because <laughs> a, a lot of what you said was like, ah, yeah, it's exactly how I felt about it or exactly what I thought. Yeah, absolutely. It looked like Matt Reeves directed it, but it really felt like Dave Fincher directed it. I think for me, I agree a lot with what Norbert said, too. There were parts and I just loved. I will say right now, the Batmobile in this movie is probably my favorite Batmobile in Love in that. Batman. Yeah. But we have to remember a couple things about this film. This isn't spoilers. You can read this if you read anything on the, the film. This is Batman's second year out. So it's still fairly early in Batman's kind of career. Basically, what the story is, it's very dark. I don't know if the sun ever shines in this Gotham. And in most days, it's raining, which I didn't mind that at all. No, I didn't mind that. But I think. It had a Blade, Blade Runner kind of uh, very much, feeling yes. to it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it was a little uneven, though, because there were part, I mean, the climax came kind of twice in this mm-hmm. movie, and I felt that there were parts where it just was like phenomenally crazy and wild and just so cool, and then there were just these large spans of nothing. But having said that, I still would recommend any Batman fan or even DC Universe fan to go see this movie. It's sad because right now I have to compare it to my my favorite one was probably the the Dark Knight, uh, Christopher Nolan's. And and Wes is right. They keep trying to get darker and darker. Now, I will tell you this. You asked where they would go. A horror movie? Well, it's exactly what's going to go on. They're actually making an HBO series and it's going to be stories from Arkham Asylum and it's more of a hor- there are more horror stories than like superhero stories. So yeah, you're pretty yeah you've kind of hit that nail on the head there, Marshall. Your name's Marshall, right? Okay. Marshall. <laughs> well, I feel like uh, that would be the adequate palate cleanser. I'm gonna I'll go ahead and, and give my two cents. I could not disagree with you more, Marshall. I mean, 100% cannot disagree with you more. Uh, I I'll be honest with you. I thought it was. I think it's one. I think it's the best one yet. To be truthful with you, uh, for a number of reasons, the darkness and the grittiness 
really lent itself to the story and to where he is as a character and as he's developing his persona. I'm not quite ready to say that the Riddler was better than the Joker, but I would say in terms of coming out with a strong villain for this reimagining, I thought he was I thought he was a very strong character. I like the realism. I like the darkness. I like the grittiness because I think that's sort of what makes Batman Batman. I And even just the darkness, the actual darkness of itself, when it looks, when you compare it to, say, the Christian Bale Batman, it really makes that bright. I really appreciated the changes that they made to the story that didn't feel arbitrary. Now, is it a perfect film? By no means is it a perfect film. But by and large, I, I really liked what he did. I liked just the spin on, on some of the old tropes that we've seen from the Batman movies. I, I really liked, you know, I really liked sort of this notion, like a lot of the imagery really lends itself to what I thought was sort of Matt Reeves' vision of what my guess is would be a trilogy in, in a sense. You know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of this sets up future projects. I know I read that article that you shared, Pat, about the HBO series, which I sounds fantastic because i think I that i think where that's you know honestly that's where dc has really excelled is is in their tv shows but i i think as far as you know the portrayal and and the storyline and everything yeah i i think it was seven meets batman and i'm there's i didn't think there was anything wrong with that i i loved it because i i thought it was just i was a little bit leery of this batman just because i thought oh well you know is, is, is it going to be like spider-man right are we going to see the same story again and i i agree the the part that i agree with you the most both of you that that batmobile i thought was the best absolute best that was cool that because was cool in a, in, a, in a garage with all the yeah. parts too well and to me it lends to a larger well i don't i won't get into that because it it'll give spoilers but it lends to some of the larger changes that i thought they made with this character or this version i say should say yeah, let me say right now, we are now welcoming spoilers, spoilers, <laughs> spoiler alert. We're, go we're going across the fence. <laughs> we're it's going spoiler yeah. land. That's right. <laughs> Back to spoiler land. One of the things that I, you know, I was kind of trying to, to assess what, what everybody was saying. I'm going to start off with one of the things I like the Riddler character in the way they they positioned him it could have been easy to do kind of the cartoonish but the idea of having the riddler be a character who is, thinks he is somewhat of a hero in his own warped mind by exposing the corruption which you know on some level that needed to be exposed i thought was a great truck that was my favorite probably my favorite part of the way they used the villain because that villain has been so cheesy for so long and they used him in a way that i felt like was very compelling on the flip side what you guys were saying a little bit about the casting i'm still not a fan of robert pattinson as batman i mean he's got as much charisma as as any of us i mean it's just, you know, I think of Michael Keaton, who probably had the most charisma of any Batman. You know, 
and even Chris, uh, what's his name, uh, Christian Bale, I felt like he he showed more dimension. I just felt like Robert Pattinson, Pattinson was in Twilight mode. And now Matt Reeves may have wanted that, you know, that, that, that Batman is just sort of, he's not that uh, indispensable. But I would have liked to seen a little bit more character out of him, more lightness to contrast the darkness, you know, him going to someplace, having to fulfill his obligations as uh, Bruce Wayne, just throwaway scene of some sort, you know, him being bruised up, maybe wearing glasses after he had a big battle or something where he's trying to associate and do something, you know, just a little to, to change the tempo, so to speak, because I felt like that's my high point was the Riddler. The low point was, to me, overall, probably was Pattinson casting. I just don't, not excited about him. There was some casting that I did like. I thought the the Commissioner Gordon cast was that was that was fine. I liked him. Um, uh, hold Penguin. on a second. Hold on a second. It was Detective Gordon. Remember, Detective we were Gordon. only yeah, yeah, yeah. Like two <laughs> years good. in. Yeah. Detective. Sorry, but. Yeah. Um, so that's my, I mean, and I, now that you say that it did feel like Frank Miller's Batman year one a lot. So, so I have to disagree with the, uh, I did not like the character of the Riddler. And I think a lot of my gripes about the movie, I do like certain things about it. Like I like the gritty element. The reason I think the parts that I don't like stick out is because I didn't feel like this was an original concept a hundred percent. So like, if I had never seen Christopher Nolan's Batman, if I had if I had not seen the Joker, who the director was on record to say, you know, he purposely made Gotham gritty and made to look like New York in the 70s, then this would have just blown my socks off. But because I've seen the grittiness already and those types of hopeless characters, this just felt a little unoriginal and uh, and uninspired now i think there were some really great parts and that was my my biggest gripe about the character of the riddler is that oh it's another disenfranchised loner weirdo who has a problem with society you know so i've seen this but his motivations you know, are totally times, different than the joker. joker yeah yeah but he's totally different mm -hmm. than the joker yeah. in the sense the joker the line that always sticks in my head is some people just want to watch the world burn well, that's not his motivation at yes. all. His uh, the the Riddler's motivation is he and the Batman are going to save Gotham. They're going to wipe out corruption together. They're going to do it. He's just going to have to push push Batman along because Batman doesn't isn't going to take do what it takes. So to me, that feels like a fresh take as opposed to a rehash. But that's just me. Yeah, I, hmm. I would say I would I totally agree. I I saw Riddler I mean he says it himself he wants to be somebody right so what I thought was interesting about it was that it's the Riddler not the Batman who takes on this hero personified character I, I think really what I liked about the the casting of Robert Pattinson because I was leery about it too was that this film feels very much like Batman figuring out who he is and not Bruce Wayne trying to figure out how to be Bruce Wayne and Batman which is what I thought the Christopher Nolan version was and really what all of them were. And I think, I think if you keep in mind the, the fact that this is as Pat said year two, then to me that really changes my, my vision and view of, of Robert Pattinson as, as Bruce Wayne. He's not this suave, you know, billionaire who flashes his money and that's shown in his, his gadgets as Batman. I saw this Batman as, 
hey, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't really know what I'm, what my purpose is. I'm trying to figure it out. I, I do I have money? Yes, but you know, that, part of the reason why I liked the Batmobile was it was a souped up muscle car, souped up armored muscle car, which I thought was just brilliant. You know, it was just a cool take on that really matched who he was. But I, I agree with Norbert. I, I, I saw the Riddler as, as completely fresh as a villain in that he, he was really, he was looking to be somebody, right? He was looking to make a name for himself. You know, his little, his last video to his followers was like, Oh, you know, I'm going away for a little while, but you know, you guys carry on my work. And, and I, I thought that was, that was a really cool take on it. I agree hundred percent that, that was, that was kind of a surprise. And I guess it's almost it's this thing where we think that he's working by himself, you know, and then we find out that's nothing that's not even close to what the truth is. I think that he's more nuanced than the Joker from the Nolan movies. He he definitely has a plan and he definitely, he, you know, like you guys have already said that he really feels like he is Batman. And it was kind of, there was a real, some subtle things going on that when they, when, you know, the first fight Batman had with some street toughs, which actually looked like they're right out of the Dark Knight. I'm sorry, the, uh, the Dark yeah, Knight. Yeah, the Dark Knight Returns. The Dark Knight Returns. The mutants, and, yeah. Yeah, didn't they seem, I mean, it was like, that's. Yeah, that are. was exactly what, I didn't think about that, but you're right. So then they, I, you know, they took a lot of stuff from different movies, but when he has that fight and the, the one guy, you know, the good guy says, who are you? And he says, I'm vengeance. And then at the end, he's like, no, nah, I'm really not vengeance. Cause he, I think, you know, he's seen, he's seen what, you know, really uh, the riddle goes, whoa, 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 dude, if that's vengeance, I'm not vengeance. So, but you know, the, the thing about the Riddler was, what kind of an amalgamation of a character he was. He was actually based on several different characters. He was, for first, we said David Fincher 7. He was based on, a part of it was based on that character, Kevin Spacey's character. He was also based on the actual Zodiac Killer. And there were a lot of little uh, nuggets there that, that basically said, you know, this is, you know, this is definitely based on the Zodiac Killer. I think it's interesting. They knew exactly where they wanted to go. They may have, I think they may have even got a little too close to to what they were basically trying to portray and kind of gave it away. I mean, I mean, I even read now I thought of this, you know, seven, the relationship between the movie seven and, and this movie. I thought of that in the theater. I've since read it and you caught on to it, too, Marshall. I, I mean, it's there. And uh, and, and to me, I enjoyed the, the dark side of it. I really like that. Now, I'll tell you what I absolutely despised of it was. The romance, the one-sided romance with, with the Catwoman, mostly because I just, I just remember laughing when she thinks that he's going to kiss her, you know, he's like, nope. Yeah. You know, I, I, to me, that was the, that was the element of the story that I didn't need, didn't want, didn't think it lended anything to it. You could have the Catwoman in it. I thought she was a little bit too sympathetic towards Batman. I would have liked to have seen a little bit balance in terms of, you know, is she good or bad? Um, in this one, she just felt really that she was just good. She just felt like she was a good character. They made her sympathetic. I didn't really care for that aspect of it. I didn't catch that, but you're right. I, I can see what you're saying. And I think that's true. I think that was missing, that her ambiguity of whether she was a good person or a bad person. It seemed like there were parts of it that they tried to include that, I think in the end, I think you're right. It didn't come off that she was uh, she was nothing but a good person. Yeah, even her 
spoiler alert, but even her being the, you know, daughter of uh, Carmine Falcone, I mean, you would think in some respects, you know, they didn't, I would agree, you know, with, with the idea that like, they didn't do a good job of really, in my mind, of making him seem as bad as, as he probably, as probably they, they thought he wanted to be. Yes. Like, yes, he's a mobster. He didn't really seem like that big of a deal in terms of like, you know, comparative to real life mobsters. And so, and to me, it felt like that was sort of their, their take was, oh, well, because she's the daughter of, uh, Carmine Falcone that somehow she's going to be bad and it just didn't come off very well. Feels like they was missing like some some even brief glimpse of maybe like when he's talked sometimes who was it that was talked about talk story talk step story gets you in trouble talking the story instead as opposed to seeing the story right and I think at some point you have to see Falcone do something you know like taking out the reporter or something ugly so that you associate just hearing it and being all ambiguous about it and never seeing him do anything really is is a problem in terms of people understanding how you know bad he is i think i really think they they set us up to to see him as an ambiguous character because they mentioned about how you know he got shot ends up at Wayne Manor and then Bruce Wayne's dad saves him. Uh, it's funny that I, I remember that from from watching an animated movie and and reading the story. It's it's interesting to, to hear it again in this in this thing. So there were I think that was part of it. But come on, man! I mean, when this dude's there strangling his own daughter and we found out that he strangled and we heard him strangle this other girl i thought he was really a creepy creepy character and it doesn't hurt to have a such a high caliber actor as john Turturro there he i thought he did an amazing job i thought he was his character was so subtle and that's another thing too that i think we need to look at a lot of this a lot of the portrayals were very subtle even the penguin who was the, probably one of the most over the top characters there were some really cool subtleties to this guy by the way colin farrell man as the penguin you will not believe it if you haven't seen it you will not believe I, that's colin farrell i didn't even recognize i didn't know that until you just said that and now i'm like wow oh yeah yeah that's amazing and actually i i would say marshall i would there's a uh interview and i'll try to find it and share it but there's an interview that he did that where he talks about putting on the prosthetics and everything <laughs> and he talks about how freeing it was as opposed to other characters because of the look to me and that's kind of why i i felt like a lot there's a lot of setup in this film because to me i think he's going to be a hell of a villain if if they you know if they do a sequel uh and they include him in it because um i i I liked his portrayal you know what i mean because in my mind he was the only one who he did he did a really good job of walking the the fine edge of being crazy but also you know very in control you know what I mean? I would definitely watch a spinoff uh, Penguin movie from this, you know, Osborne <laughs> Cobblepot movie with, with him as that. That would be amazing. That would be that would be a, a great get from this movie is if we had, you know, a Penguin spinoff with him playing the Penguin. Well, it's interesting that Matt Reeves said the reason that the Easter egg, as we'll call it, was a website instead of a scene. And that's because he has no idea what's going to come, if there's going to be another one of these. Because basically what we did is we, we 
we rebooted Batman. So he's saying he doesn't know if this is going to be a trilogy or if this is a one-off. He really doesn't know. You know, sometimes movies come out and they're just awesome. Like, and and this is being very well received. I think it got uh, 89, 87% critics and 89% audience, regular audience members on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's really well received. It made over $301 million at the box office that first weekend. So it's doing fairly well. That still doesn't mean we're going to get a sequel but what matt reeves said he didn't want to kind of tempt people with something that would never come about but the interesting thing is it's a website his easter egg i'm using air quotes by the way i know you guys can't see it but easter egg it's another riddle quote yes (laughs) it's another riddle from the riddler i played around with a little bit try to you know invert it and flip it and things and i ain't got it i ain't got the schooling for that so i don't i won't figure it out but i i'm sure there's some uh you know, eggheads out there that will. Uh, that's not an offensive term either. Well, I just love smart people. So nothing uh, offensive about that, by the way. Pat, that's interesting that you, you, uh, you bring that up because what is that, in my mind, what does that say about Warner Brothers' feelings about this reboot? You know what I mean? That sounds to me like a very cautious approach. Like, we'll wait and see how we do. And, and, and uh, you know, if you do well, then great. And if you don't, well you know, and we're out some money and that's about it. So that, that's, that's interesting (laughs) that he, he took that approach because in my mind, it sounds like, Hey, we're not going to give you, you know, we're not going to sign you to a three picture deal. We're going to, we're going to see how this goes. And so you do your best and we'll see what happens. But, you know, maybe that, maybe that's not a bad thing because, you know, and I know, I, I know like off, off air, we've talked about, you know, one of the issues with the Christopher Nolan trilogy is, by the last one, you could just tell, you know, old Chris yeah. was done. He, he was ready to, <laughs> he was ready to move on. He phoned that bad boy in, and we got this, you know, we got this really wasted Bane character, and and so, so you know, maybe that was part of their approach. I don't know. I mean, you know, and they've got, I, I don't know if you guys saw it in your film or before your film, but they showed like clips from the DC movies that are coming out. So Aquaman two and flash. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe that was a part of it. In flash. I do believe they do something where they visit different timelines as well. Oh yes. I've, I've heard something. Yeah. 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 About that with the flash. So it kind of reminds me of that Spider-Man movie uh, into the spider verse. I'm sure it's different. But so was the new Spider-Man, No Way Home, which is still using that same thing. But it's a pretty cool gimmick, really. That gimmick works to me as long as you make a change at the end. What I hate about that is if the character starts and ends at the same place. If the the character starts at one place and then ends at a different place, then I'm okay with the whole multiverse Idea. I think I really think that's one thing that really worked well with No Way Home because he really truly didn't have any No Way Home. I was uh, going to mention how Corey, you mentioned that Warner Brothers. It seems like they took kind of a, a cautious approach to making this like a multi-movie deal. I was listening to another podcast, and maybe you guys can confirm this, but I heard that there was no multi-movie deal for Dune either. The, Correct. They just made the first one hoping that it would get so that that seems to be maybe a thing right now i think so, and I that think was the so. warner brothers too wasn't it i do believe so yeah yeah it is and i did hear that yep it has since been that's greenlit wild. for a sequel though that's what i've been heard i've heard that somewhere that it is it's now well 
just the other day, I, I was reading an article about aliens, or excuse me, they're doing a series, an alien series. And the reason that they're doing this series is because the covenant, uh, the Ridley Scott, his uh, finding, you know, where the science, uh, the, what are they called? Not the scientists, but the the uh, architects come from that's been kiboshed after covenant did so poorly they're not even going to finish that they've got one movie to go they're not uh, right now they have no plans to finish that trilogy which kills me because i'm a huge aliens fan but they want to still use the the franchise i mean disney just bought the damn thing from fox not too long ago uh well took over fox so they want to use that so they're going to go kind of with they're just dipping their toes in and they're going to do an alien uh tv series that's a lot of you know to make a movie with all those special effects like the one we just watched that's a lot of money and to not get it back or not get enough back it's just they're just not taking that risk anymore i don't think well anyway. yeah, yeah and it's going to be tougher for them to take risks after they come out of two years of where their people are not really going into theaters so there's exactly there's a smaller yeah, cash true. that they're sitting on then and so a loss is magnified as opposed to you know five ten years ago well remember we went and seen tenant tenant was supposed to be the tentpole for uh, warner brothers which sadly wasn't i mean yeah. as, as as well as we received the film and i know we had even us we had some uh, varied opinions about it but as well as we received it it didn't get that attention through the the audiences and at the time nobody was going to the theaters yeah and you know one of the things that i i think I, I can see maybe why there's hesitation on Warner Brothers' part because right now, 80% of movie ticket sales are going to men between the ages of 18 and 50. So that's the demographic that's driving the sales right now. I do kind of worry about that, uh, only in the sense that that then shapes you know, what future movies we get and that you know, shapes. So for example, I watched Nightmare Alley last. Night. I loved it. I, I thought it was, it was great. I didn't see it in the theater largely because I couldn't find out what the hell the thing was about. Uh, <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> don't want to spend the money. But again, I go back to uh, Lincoln, the movie Lincoln, you know, and, and the studio telling Steven Spielberg, well, even though you're Steven Spielberg, you know, you're, you don't want you to make this movie and him having to pull strings and work his ass off to get that movie made. I wonder if this is going to further funnel more films, more superhero films and and really drive and determine, you know, what we we see in the future. I think so. I think we're going to see a lot more reboots and a lot more series like superhero movies. It's it's what, you know, love them or not, it's what the majority wants to see and that's what's selling. They want to get away. People want to get away from their undone lines for a while. That's true. I was going to say, Pat, uh, one of the things I thought was interesting about the Batman, I don't know if you read about it, but the fighting style that Batman uses is a Laotian. It's the same fighting style uh, from the guy from Raid 2. Oh, wow. It's That's a Muay Thai with a something else going on, too. Yeah, I think it's a lot or something like that. But yeah, they, they went that route as opposed to the traditional karate Awesome. There's different things that I liked. I like the way that when Batman comes in to take on the gang, the sound of him coming in, you know, it felt like an irresistible force that was coming. You know, it was like the inevitable is coming, you know, the Grim Reaper is coming. It felt very 
heavy and that sound made was very impressive i and it was different it didn't feel like anything else i had heard in that terms um and i liked that part the fighting style the the entrance sound to him his boot hitting the ground and they sort of used that i thought that was really good i thought so the that score was amazing in that and there's a uh, parts of it where they do um I can't think of the the song, Nirvana song. the Nirvana song, but they, you know, they took that and incorporated the chord changes in the score of the music too, and I thought that was really cool. Not only that, but they also did that with Ave Maria, which I thought was very cool. It was uh it was echoed in in the background music. I thought the I thought the score was really good. That's probably one I'll probably listen to. So just to <laughs> go back to what Corey was saying about that fighting style, I looked it up real quick. It's Pinkak Salat. Uh, this is an Indonesian martial oh, sure. art. Yeah, I knew that, but you know, I just double <laughs> yeah. check on. The I've got a couple. Rest. I've got a couple. I've got a couple black belts in that. Uh, in sure. That <laughs> yeah. sure. So the biggest criticisms I've heard of the film were a lot of people didn't like the score. They didn't like the music which is crazy to me. I, I loved it. I I mean, it was dark and it was simple and it was, in, in my mind, it was very much a, another aspect of the the movie that sort of lent itself, you know, all together. You know, kind of like in, in a lot of ways, the, the city of Gotham being so dark, it was like a, its own character. You know, it was, I think, the part of the reason why it was so dark and why it was so gritty and, and gross was because they're trying to convey it as this, this character that needs saving, I guess. Makes sense. What, another thing I liked was Andy Serkis as um, Alfred. I thought that made a lot of sense. But one of the things I did yeah. not like, and this is the third movie that I've, I've had this complaint with, is the edit. And specifically the edit at the end. Because I felt like whenever they had the capture of the Riddler and it sort of flattened out and then they tried to ramp up again. And I was already about done. You know, I, I felt like there was something flat in the middle of whenever they captured the Riddler and when they tried to ramp it up again, that part I didn't. Cause like, you know, I'm already two and a half hours in or two twenty in. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done. Or, you know, have your coda and, and, and be done. And then they ramp up for what, another 20, 30 minutes? Oh, yeah. And, they and then, you know, I didn't need, at the whole motorcycle with the cat woman, I mean, I didn't, to me, that felt like that wasn't necessary for the movie. So for me, some, some trimming on, some more editing on that would have, I think they could have, if they wasn't wanted to put the last part of it in, they needed to keep the tension up somewhere in the capture a little higher because it just kind of felt like it flattened out and then they tried to ramp it back up and I was already halfway out. So well, that was the personal motorcycle thing. scene seemed like product <laughs> placement to me. You know, like that was like just because they they weren't like special motorcycles like the uh, Batmobile or anything like that. It was like legitimately them riding through, you know, I think a graveyard in a town. And, you know, it just it really felt flat and like they were featuring the bikes and stuff. I did want to say, too, I think so thinking about the Riddler, the problem that I had was and an, to go back to what Pat was saying was uh, how they might have hit it too on the head. I think with the uh, taking inspiration from the Zodiac Killer and then also from Seven, the Killer in Seven. That's why I think it felt uninspired. It was just 
unoriginal like they they over hinted at these things to where i didn't feel like this was an original character but i will say even with that said and the source material that the actor was given i don't know the actor's name i think he did a phenomenal job of uh you know playing the riddler paul dano yeah he did it i thought he did a good job I thought it was interesting how little activity we even seen the Riddler do. Most of what we did was we seen just shadowy video of him in, you know, and mostly his voice. You know, I think that's one thing about this flick. Of course, it's the Batman. It's a huge product by DC and Warner Brothers. But I think one thing they did right, Pattinson did a good job. And I think every actor in this just was amazing to watch on screen. I think everybody, I think the weakest character was the Catwoman. And I, I think that's part of why, I think it's part of why the end was like, ah, you know, why do we want to see this with him saying goodbye to her? It's like, they really didn't have a relationship. It was almost, if they kind of hinted at, there was something there, but it wasn't there. I honestly, I would have cut that out. I mean, go to where they go through the tunnel. One goes one way, one the other goes the other way. Boom, done. I totally agree. Honestly, I would have rather watched the time that that scene, that bike scene, or really most of the scenes together. I would have taken that time and I would have extended Alfred opening the mail. <laughs> opening the mail. I would have watched that for 20 or 30 minutes because that was far more uh, interesting, impressive. Yeah, it didn't. I, I agree with Marshall. It didn't lend itself. It, you know what it sounded like to me? It sounded like or felt like the writer or Matt Reeves said, hey, you know what would be a cool idea is if they both got on their motorcycle. And then in a graveyard and then they rode away and we filmed and Matt Reeves went, yeah, let's, that, that's a cool idea. Let's do it. And then they just put it in because they thought it was cool. It was someone's version uh, of a cool idea, but it was completely wasted space. And I agree with, with Norbert, the editing, that was probably my biggest complaint, mostly because good Lord, two hours and 56 minutes or 58 minutes. Like, look, you guys skipped over some things and you still took that long. So. <laughs> I think you know what would I got the perfect ending for it. Alfred puts his cufflinks back on and goes, My precious. <laughs> you know what? I actually I love the idea that he puts his cufflinks back on. You may be going a little far with my precious, but I definitely get where you're going. <laughs> no, I was I was thinking that um I just picturing the editors, you know, there were, you know, Matt Reeves has told him, you know, I really like this scene. I like this scene. I like this scene. And, and they're there trying to do their job, but you know, they keep thinking about what Matt said and they're like watching this motorcycle scene and one's going, uh, I think it's fine. Uh, oh, I do too. I think it's fine. I think I'm going to leave it. Well, why not? Let's leave it. Okay. You know, so and it was, it, that was just not good. You're right. The editing could have been much better. Isn't it funny I, though? We watch these movies that, we get see all this money on and maybe that's it. Maybe they want to show what they spent their money on, but you, you've got all this, you know, this movie and it's, it's acted amazingly. It's, it's basically, you know, they nailed their, uh, the feeling of the film yet who dropped the ball on the editing. Cause clearly I think I would love to have an explanation of why that was edited that way. Well, I always think of like my favorite line in this in this area is on Frazier when Frazier says, if less is more, just think how much more of more would be. So that's <laughs> I mean, people get fall in love with stuff. You know that Pat, as you've taught, you know, talked about people, you know, they pe- people fall in love with their footage and they can't give it up. And so yeah. I get that. But, you know, th- that edit in my mind, I, I think 
could have been tightened up and it would have not hurt the because I think they had a lot of good elements and a lot of good ideas going into this. Get out. Get out when what it, it, and like George says, you know, George Costanza. I mean, we're we're going with all the great wisdom now. You know, leave on a high note. Absolutely. My mentor, George Costanza. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would say I, I, I think in my I guess in my mind, uh, maybe some of the issues with the editing have to do with the heavy reliance of imagery. That's honestly the only thing I can think of. There, there are some elements, there are some scenes that are just so cool. You know, the the whole walking in the water with the flare and the people following, you know, and it just, you know, it lends to the whole imagery and, and what the, the concept. But then, you know, then you have that, you take that, you juxtaposition against that stupid ass, uh, you know, two motorcycles driving through the graveyard and i and i just wonder if maybe there was maybe some of the editing decisions were, were made by imagery Matt reeves wife right she i can just see i can just see her going matt if you don't put in a romantic interest i swear to god you're not getting any for a whole year i think we've uh we've beat this horse to almost death so i think uh <laughs> Let's let's go ahead and wrap it up. I also want to say in our little wrap up, tell let's t- talk about if this our little talk changed anything that you felt about this movie. So, oh, like that. One thing I, I want to mention is I remember listening to a Frank Miller interview where he talks about Batman and he said he is maybe the most elastic character in that the 60s comic version of Adam West worked and the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton vision worked and the Christopher Nolan think piece worked. And I add, this has the detective feel to it. And this add that flavor to it, which draws on many influences. But I feel like this version worked. I still haven't changed my, my view on Robert Pattinson. And I think while it's not a perfect film, there's there's a lot that works for me. And I, I give it a recommendation. Just to wrap up how my feelings about the movie. Overall, I enjoyed it. I found it entertaining. I think there were too many moments that took me out of my suspension of disbelief. One of them we didn't touch on is where he cuts the electric cable, which to that, I just thought that was kind of silly. Because if, you know, if it's enough to kill all these people in the water, it's going to kill him when he makes contact, you know, and he just gets kind of knocked out and falls into the water. And I think the thing about that that bothers me is it would have been better if he would have just thrown a batarang, cut it or something like that to where, see, there are ways around that writing. And I just, I felt like that was kind of a, a lazy device or plot device. But overall, I uh, I enjoyed the movie. I found it entertaining. I did not think the characters or the theme was nuanced enough compared to the Joker and Christopher Nolan's Batman. But uh, things that have changed through this discussion, I see the range of Colin Farrell as an actor, and I'm excited about the idea of hopefully someday a, a Penguin spinoff. I haven't heard anybody mention that yet. So if it happens, you heard it here first. (laughs) 
I agree. I, I, have, I don't know if I changed my mind about it. I always like these discussions because it either it helps me solidify my beliefs or also uh, expands them. And sometimes it totally changes my mind about whether a movie was good or not. I don't want to be too hard on the thing. I think that it was it was a little bit long and I'm, I'm just kind of surprised about that. I also think that some of the stuff there are some undertones in it that I wasn't appreciative of. And I think that if you take it for face value, this is probably the best uh, the best way to see it and don't try to read anything else into this movie. I also want to say that I would love to hear anybody else, any, anybody that listens to this, you know, just shoot us a, an email or something. You can send it to truefictioncast at gmail.com. And I would love to hear, or you can just p- post it on the, on the podcast, you know, whether you listen on Apple podcasts or something on a review. I would really like to know if, if anybody else felt that this was too long or maybe it wasn't, maybe some of you thought it was just long enough or should have been longer. I would love to hear that feedback. It's a Batman movie. So this one's going to be there for a while. It's not going to be, it's not going to go away. Like, you know, I wish all the Ben Affleck ones would. So that, those are there too. So I think they did Batman justice and I like the way that they are, I should say, I like their, what they use to build it because as, as Norbert mentioned year, you know, Batman year one, we also seen some stuff that was from the Dark Knight Returns book. And, and there's, uh, and there was a darkness there that I think Marshall talked a little bit about that seemed borrowed from the, the Joker movie, the last Joker movie. So I, I like this stuff. I think they did a good job of rolling it together and having it, having a, a much different feel than any other Batman out there. And I, I do appreciate that at, any, at least. Uh, okay. Let's see, I guess to, to touch upon and expand upon what Norbert said, you know, the fascinating thing about Batman as a character is that he's been around long enough now to establish sort of this trend. And I think that one of the things that, that I liked about this film was that Batman, a lot of the times the Batmans have felt as good representations of their time and place when they came out uh, represented sort of what was going on in, in this country and then in the world. Right. And so and I think that that trend continues with this Batman. It's darker. It's grittier. You know, with Robert Pattinson, it definitely less was more. I I think while my opinion hasn't changed, uh, I I do think that um, I would say that in my mind, uh, my take on this Batman uh, is very much a this was more of a thinking man's Batman in the sense that. There was a lot of imagery and there was a lot of events that that take place within the film that really made you think about his character development, the character development process, not just with Batman, but with the Riddler, even with Jim Gordon, maybe not Catwoman because she was pretty one dimensional. I, I thought, you know, in my mind, talking about her in my mind, she was probably the weakest aspect of the film. But you know what? I, I definitely glad to see it in the theater and and i i do hope that it sparks more films that if nothing else gives us really good villains i i think i would have to probably i'm gonna have to probably watch it one or two more times to really get a sense of how i feel about the riddler comparative to the joker but i i think this is a great film to to at least go see if you haven't been to the theater and speaking of the theater we like to talk a little bit about our experience i think core you went to see it at a theater now we are in different places so my theater experience was 
probably, if you've been listening to Kino Club, you know that we've had a love-hate with the theater. And I have to say that I think this theater experience was one of the better ones I've had recently. They kept the snack bar open <laughs> so you could get <laughs> refills if you wanted to. That was nice. You went at the, we went at 3.30 in the afternoon. That's too. right. We went at 3.30. We know not to go to the late show on Sundays because you may be... Uh, after 6 at yeah. that point. <laughs> yeah, after 6. You may be locking the door. Good luck getting a kernel of popcorn after 6 at, at our but theater. There, were, there was a decent crowd in there than when we went. I thought that was good and there were people that were you know nobody was everybody was pretty respectful mm -hmm. i really like that and so far for the most part since since we've been able to go back to the theater people have been all right you know they're 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 not I, chatting through the movies a little less a little less a little less chatty i think yes and there were some reactions to what was on the screen which was fun so i'll uh i'll have to hear I your guys the theater stories uh <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, it's just it's just the AMC theater up here. The the only thing that we, we had was during Christmas break, the soda machines were, you know, they had run out of some sodas. And at one time, one day they ran out of butter. The shipment of butter was, was late. But other than that, we've not been locked in. And I even mentioned that, you know, one side of the theater, the butter machine doesn't work. And the soda machine <laughs> that we went to didn't have Coke. But they, the funny thing is they didn't have Coke, but they had Coke vanilla. So I was like, oh, I thought that was just flavoring added in. So <laughs> I buy by for some reason, I just don't understand how those machines actually work. So that's not a big, that's not a bad thing. That was my, you know, experience. They ran out of magic. They forgot to sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I uh, I feel like um, this was probably the, like, since we've been doing the reviews, one of the larger theater crowds we've gone to. And when I was in line for snacks, I kind of took a look back to see the, like, the foyer of the, the uh, movie plex we went to filling up. And people seem to have kind of this, like, nervous energy about them when they get around people now, like, in a big group like that. <laughs> you know, they're, everybody's looking around, and people don't really know how to act yet. They feel, you know, it's like kind of like a bunch of cats together meeting up or something. <laughs> Corey! The, the nice thing about being older, because you don't care, you know? It's like, I did <laughs> yeah. this for many decades, so I'm I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so so Corey, what kind of an amc do you have where well, we have a classic and and it's basically it's kind of you know it's like you know old man johnson's theater kind of it doesn't even feel like a chain anymore <laughs> uh, how was your what, what kind of a theater do you have there so we we have the amc classic they they do have a theater or two with rocking seats if i remember correctly because i think it's sat in one you know the crowds uh, like I, again with christmas break being you know the exception now christmas break it was packed so I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife three times in the theater. Wow. I saw Sing 2. I saw Spider-Man No Way Home. I saw The Kingsman. Uh, and then now this. I think out of all of them, well, Ghostbusters was probably the smallest crowd. Uh, the first time I saw it, there was only maybe five people in there. But it's been mostly, I would say, people my age uh, and older. You know, one of the things that I, I remember distinctly some of the issues that we've had in the past with your theater was the younger crowd the younger generation don't really see that a whole lot here uh, and I don't know if it's just generational I don't know if it's the pandemic I don't know if it's the mix of both but I haven't had an issue yet knock on wood so as long as you know the managers don't have any heart conditions That's I think right. I'm gonna be okay. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, someday we'll share on the Kino Club how we almost killed a manager. That was a lot of fun that <laughs> night. <laughs> uh, and, okay, and well, I still have never, I've never finished that movie, and I Same didn't here. watch the second one. So, did you watch or no? You didn't watch. <laughs> no, the second I have one. not. I have not. <laughs> Same here. I haven't either. <laughs> I was like, I also I'm wanted still to add. kind of bitter about the whole experience. <laughs> <laughs> also wanted to add we knew we were in amc because it said it on the door as we walked in and it said <laughs> it on the ticket as we bought the ticket and on all the employees t-shirts and then as we sat down nicole kidman told us for 20 minutes in a commercial that we're in an amc theater <laughs> how very nice and we're so glad you're here yeah I would have forgot, you know, that that's where I was if you had not played that commercial and added an extra. Yeah, you know, I would, I would say, if anybody is feeling bad about themselves, they're feeling a little down, go to an AMC theater because they're gonna, they're they're really pulling out the red carpet and really making you feel warm and fuzzy inside for you know, giving them money and saving them from saving them from bankruptcy. Yeah. Well, you know, you would think, you know, I just felt like before the pandemic, I felt like it was a more welcoming place. I really don't feel as welcome. And maybe that's just me, you know, um, maybe the people working there are, are thinking, oh, my God, this person's coming in and there's there's a pandemic going on. But I, I don't know. I just <laughs> I don't feel as welcome, you know. So, well, you know, what, Pat, I, I would agree with you on that. Like, I, I'm used to the people that are like, you know, oh, a big smile on their face and, you know, oh, you know, and I have not, I've not gotten that experience. Now, no one has been rude. Right. But that, that there's not that friendly, like, I guess before, I don't know, maybe pre-pandemic, you know, it's not, it wasn't all the time, but, you know, in a very general sense, you know, it seemed like most people were kind of happy and excited to be working in the theater. And now it's like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I need <laughs> money and, you know. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. The officer said I needed a job. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been kind of like, Oh yeah. So that's interesting. Well, this has been a blast. I've really had fun talking to everybody about uh, this, the Batman. I, I think we all enjoyed it at different levels, but I think we all did enjoy it and gave it a, you know, a, a thumbs up to go see. I want to tell our friend, Dr. Corey Berger, how much we appreciate him coming on. That was a blast to get to talk to him again and talk about movies. This has been uh, so much fun. Hopefully we will get to do this again soon and uh, everybody have a great night. Absolutely. Yeah, have a great night. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us on the True Fiction Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please visit us at Facebook. You can also leave us a review on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. Until next time, stay true and stay creative. Hey, hey. You're too late.